You're listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online, and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, but you probably already knew that if you've been listening to the podcast for a number of years. I do appreciate you listening, and certainly the people that reach out to me over the net, you're awesome. So, the interview subject that I have coming up for you on this particular instalment of the podcast series is Derek Green. Derek, of course, is the frontman in Sepultura. He's been there for well over 20 years these days, so for God's sakes, anybody who considers him the new guy in Sepultura, have a listen to that lengthy tenure that he's been in the band for, far longer than Max. And I've got to say, I think Quadra from Sepultura, which will be released on the the 7th of February, is likely to be one of their greatest albums, actually. Talk's a big game. Sure, you can appreciate, but I actually do feel that way about it. It is a sterling affair, and that's the reason for the conversation with Derek. That's to promote this brand new release for 2020, Quadra. So, here he is, the man himself, Mr. Derek Green. Here he is. It's Andy McKay Smith calling Derek. How are you going? Good. How are you, Andrew? Oh, I'm very well. I'm very well. It's a sprightly 6 a.m. over here at the moment, and the sky is blue which isn't such a good thing for this part of the world at the moment as i'm sure yeah you know. i understand i can understand i that's really heart-wrenching yeah it's mainly it's not where i am i'm up north in the subtropics here um uh-huh. and uh it's mainly down south there and there and uh around sydney and melbourne in particular i mean we have bushfires every year but this year they've just been horrific and yeah uh, it looks like a nightmare yeah, it's it's just been. Oh man, I don't look honestly. I don't know what the answer is. You know, truly, right? I, don't, I mean, I don't think anybody does. The problem is, it's. I'm sure as as the coverage is in in Brazil and the United States, and I was just talking to JJ from the Stranglers last night. And he's living in France and telling me that there's a, a lot of coverage over there, but I think a lot of it's quite partisan. So uh, meaning that it's it's along political lines, and so far as what to do about the situation. Um, right. When this is really, this is a, this is a almost an existential thing that's happening. <laughs> you know, so, so there's parts of Australia that we simply just can't live in anymore. I don't think. Right. You know. So. Yeah. But you know, who, who has the answers to these things? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, <laughs> definitely not me in this interview. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it should, should get, you know, Derek Green and his take on current affairs and world events. There you go. Completely different conversation interview. But no, I won't, I won't punish you, mate. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. no, it's all good. How's the, uh, how's the interviews been going, mate, uh, you know, for the promotion of the album here? It's been great. Um, we've been doing a lot, which is good. You know, we've been wanting to talk about this album and we're all very excited about it. But, um, it's been fantastic feedback, you know, very positive, and uh, I'm just really looking forward to, uh, you know, fans uh, being able to ch- check it out. Mm. Look, I've got to say, you know, the last few years for the band have just been outstanding. They truly have been probably some of the best years in the band's entire career, and that's really saying something. I mean, 2017, we did have a conversation off the back of Machine Messiah, and I actually thought that was... Uh, one of the best albums from the band, but but you've you've actually released an album that I think is stronger in Quadra. You know that. And uh, that's good to hear. I mean, that was our goal is really to really kind of step even further um, with our, our musicianship. You know, it's mm. like it was really important for us to 
it, I mean, we had such great reception from Machine Messiah, um, and it was such a learning experience to work on that. But and it really rubbed off on on wanting to uh, go into this next album, Quadra, and and just and try to to go above it <laughs> in many ways. So um, it was challenging. Um, and at the same time, extremely rewarding. You know, it was just very comfortable uh, to work on this uh, on on Quadra, and and we allowed ourselves enough time to really um, work on it, which makes a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. And look, it's got to be said as well. Look, uh, at this point, no one could blame you guys for wanting to take it back a few a few gears, if you know what I'm saying. You know, I mean, right. there's that, that dreaded legacy band term, if you know what I mean, like legacy band being established act that can just sort of keep on touring off established glories. But mate, I, right. I, I feel as though you guys are really actually laying down the gauntlet to, you know, when I say younger bands, you know what I mean, like Suicide Silence, yeah. Sabaton and Amon Amarth. And this is, you're issuing a very polite reminder here, or maybe not so polite reminder that, don't fuck with Sepultura in some ways. I mean, this. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it was going in with that attitude, you know, we, I honestly, I mean, we really have been playing and touring for so long, you know, in so many different places of the world, but we never really wanted to stop evolving as a band and musically, you know, that was something that we truly believe and, uh, and, and, and something that's always kept us going. Um, I think with, having uh Aloy Casagrande in the band mm. stepped the band up also, you know, it was definitely a big part in creating that energy and keeping the energy of the band um and, and being really relevant. Um he's super young, he's determined and he's uh, one of the most incredible drummers I've ever seen play. Um, so this helps, you know, tremendously because, you know, it's really contagious, this energy, you know, so yeah. it goes into the, you know, guitar work, you know, with Andreas is like, man, I got to push myself, you know, like even further than that, have, you know, yeah. this kid do everything. And, and I have to push myself vocally, you know, and try to find something creative. And, you know, this is just you know, what makes it really fun for us is to really create and to shock ourselves. Like the end of the day, like, Oh my God, like, what have we done? You know, we have to play these songs live, you know, mm. yes. <laughs> That's, you know, and laugh about it. Cause we were saying the same thing with machine Messiah and it just ended up being such a fantastic touring experience. Um, and so now we're back at it, like preparing for this tour, you know, having, giving ourselves enough time to do that, um, so we come off and just really blow people's heads off. <laughs> well, you've definitely done that. Look, I, I do a lot of swimming and, <laughs> and I'm listening to the album because I've got some headphones I can listen to whenever I'm swimming. And I, I've been listening to it for about a month, actually. Oh, it's, nice. It's got to be said. So I've really, I've gotten used to it. And yeah, it, it I won't say it surprised me because I know you guys are an outstanding band, you know, and you, you're originals at the end of the day. But yeah, I mean, it's vicious. Is the thing, <laughs> <laughs> and that's yeah, great. I mean, it's great because I mean, you, you got to hear the whole album in its entirety. Because hmm. um, I think people definitely be able to make more sense of it once they hear it all together. But um, I mean, the singles that we've been releasing are the 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 heaviest, you know, thrashiest yeah. songs. Um, so I mean, the feedback has been great. But yeah, when you put them together, I'm just like, oh man. You know, it's like relentlessly just like, just like 
thrashing going on. So, um, you know, it's a good feeling, you know, mm. that we wanted to, to really represent that. Talk me about Jens Bogram because I know you did the last album with him, but is he, when you're working with him, does he, like a lot of these these guys like, you know, um, George Martin from the Beatles, this sort of thing, does he become kind of like a fifth member, really integral to the, to the quality of the sound that you're making? I would think so. I mean, a lot of what we we write is done before we get to the studio, but there are a lot of things that are done uh, once we're there with the help of Jens and his ideas. You know, he's he usually has the demo way ahead of time uh, of stuff that we're going to do before we get there. So once we get there, he, he already has been able to to have ideas like a list literally a list of ideas that he 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 felt on certain songs um you know he takes its worst work very seriously and that's what's great about working with them so he does come in with great ideas um where you don't feel like oh wait a minute Jens, you're stepping on toes here you know it's like really like that's a great idea and he explains why hmm. you, you know these parts should be added or at least try certain elements to add to the song and it, it all 99% of the time makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. it's for us, the cumber level is just fantastic to work with. Her. Mm. Yeah. And, and look, I haven't had an opportunity to really dive into the lyrical theme. So I guess I'll ask that question now. Were, were there any, any lyrical themes that you decided to address specifically for the album? Yeah. I mean, at the time of writing it, you know, it was like really getting a lot of messages from, uh, different groups working with organizations within the Amazon that were um, trying to help the native people maintain their land um, and and the fight and struggle that they have of having their land taken from them and also uh, it being burned and them being murdered. And so I wanted to really write a song about that, Guardians of Earth, and really give them a voice, you know, so people can really get their head around of what's happening because the lawlessness that exists in the Amazon, um, you know, a lot of things people are trying to get away with and they are getting away with. And this is, you know, something that that has to be stopped. Um, and that and that can stop once people realize that it's going on because it's a very remote place. You might know like the outback as well. It's yeah, like, absolutely. You know, and so it's how do you you know regulate that you know it's like people don't realize there's there's no police there you know there's no so uh, these laws you know have to be enforced somehow and mm. people need to know about what's happening these this murder of of native people yeah yeah i'm hearing you mate yeah and i've done a little bit of reading on it and i realized uh not too long ago how lawless it actually was to your exact point there right and it's, it's bloody awful, mate. I mean, most of these people, uh, these indigenous people, are, are just trying to raise families and lead lives right. that they've been leading for thousands of years in some cases. But uh, fo following the money and um, trade of various nefarious bloody things, mate, you know, their society is being in infringed upon. And it's so great that you're able to raise some awareness of it through heavy metal. Because I think... Definitely, Oh, yeah. I mean, especially, I mean, through heavy metal and, and through music in general, you know, it has such a um, a powerful force, you know, um, in the world. Um, because a lot of times it's, it's very honest. Hmm. Hey, look, I've got to make this point. You know, you, I've always 
felt that you've handled yourself really well in public and in interviews. I've read a lot of your interviews, listened to a lot of podcasts that you're, you've appeared on. And, you know, you have a reputation as one of the nicest fellas in the biz. But I've got to ask, <laughs> have, have, you ever, <laughs> have you ever lost your temper or gotten really frustrated with somebody in an interview or in public? Because I just can't. I've never heard it. So. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, it's, it's happened, but it's a rarity. I mean, uh, it would take a lot. But uh, I, I'm definitely not happy when it does happen because I'm, you know, I don't feel good about myself. So that's why I, I usually don't like to have that happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, just really try to maintain myself. And, you know, there's a lot of people that we were representing. So, um, you I know, there's a whole, you know, I, I feel a lot of times, you know, that responsibility, um, especially like for Brazil, you know, I really want to put a good light on that. On, on them and, and i feel like I, i'm a representative there of coming from there being in a brazilian band um and 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 for myself and my family you know i have a 10 year old and 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 i i just i'm definitely not that type of person even though people might think that just because of how i look um but um you know, I definitely love breaking stereotypes. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And do you feel? I know. I think. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, or I don't have to answer it if you don't want. But I think you live in Brazil or Sao Paulo, as you have done for a long time. And um, do, do you still feel like an expatriate living in a foreign country, or do you feel like as though you're um, you're part, you're, you're sort sort of you know halfway to becoming Brazilian, so to speak? Oh yeah. I mean, now I, I mean I moved from brazil about a year ago now i live in los angeles uh-huh. california and uh but whenever i'm there in brazil i i really feel like i'm you know a brazilian there and they feel that too i mean it, it's been i mean it was there for so long and i speak portuguese and uh they're just so inviting you know mm. and uh i i was such a part of just so many very significant events that were happening there within brazil and so i definitely feel uh very native there for sure cool yeah yeah <laughs> so what's been you know you're you're a fellow that came from uh, cleveland i think originally i think you were born in cleveland mm-hmm. correct me if i'm wrong and you know you joined at the time one of the biggest heavy metal bands in the world so one would uh, think that you know you probably got a lot of uh, a lot of uh, ways that you could answer this question but what what do you think has been your biggest challenge because you as i say you just seem to have handled everything so well um I think the biggest challenge was, was just always my, uh, you know, it's a, usually myself. Myself was challenge, you know, just really keeping in a very positive mindset. Uh, but, this, you know, there were a lot of ups and downs to spend as far as uh, since I've been in it. And I mean, I ended up in the band because of a, a very big down. <laughs> yeah. And that up, he definitely been maintaining and staying together. You know, it's, um, you know, there's a lot of things that come to mind in your own head, you know, like self doubt that can put you down. Um, there's a lot of old fans that were just like not happy, and pretty much cutting that, that can really add to your self esteem. Yeah. But, um, just really beating that, uh, you know, like staying positive, staying around people who are very positive, uh, helped a lot, you know, from being sucked into some type of a depression. I could, mm-hmm. 
But um, like I said, it was great to be around very uh, positive people, um, being honest with myself um, and being positive, you know, about what I was doing and, and, and believing in what I was doing. So that helped tremendously. Look, surely to goodness, and I've spoken to Andreas about this, but surely to bloody goodness, the questions about Max and all this stuff, because we're going back well over 20 years ago now. Surely they've mm-hmm. stopped, but I imagine they haven't. No, I, I think for some people it's hard for them to really move on. I mean, it's hard for people to, to change in general. Um, for, the, for the fact that, you know, they're, they're fearful of change um, hmm. because of the unexpected when changing. Um, but it's you know, it's hard for for certain people, but that's okay. You know, I mean, it's it's not where we're at musically, and 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 thank God that we we're able to move forward and not only rely on the past. Um, but uh, I mean, I think it's natural for certain people that they gravitate to something that uh, they've known from the past and. Maybe then that's just where they like to have their head. Where right they're there. At, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I mean, I don't. I never wanted to be in that position uh, just because. Uh, I mean, I'm an artist, and, and and for me, it's important to really explore and to evolve, and and change is is actually necessary. Mm. Um, and and that's something that's happening in all of our lives. So I accept it and and go with it and live within the moments that are happening now. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so um, I I don't really have to worry too much about I don't worry too much about other people and and them being trapped with the past. You know, that's uh, it's just something I I do want to be a part of or be near that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a good perspective because you can't you you don't know what people are thinking and what their life experience is right up to the moment that they come to an interview or a fan or what have you have an interaction and they bring up these sorts of things. And I can imagine it must've been frustrating in years gone by, but look, I mean, it was definitely uh, frustrating. And then I saw it was frustrating for the guys, you know, like people forget that Igor was in the, you know, I played with him for, you know, nine years. Yeah. And then he was getting asked these questions too. And it was frustrating for him and for, I mean, yeah, they're going to be there, those questions and everything. But, you know, I, I, like I said, for us, it was just important to write music, to tour, to play. So we have other things to talk about, you know? Mm. Yeah. Well, look, I, I, as you know, mate, Sepulchre has always had a very strong fan base here in Australia. And, um, look, I was in the audience in 1999 when you came down here, your first gigs in Australia, if I'm not mistaken. And I never, never questioned it. And I, I don't think anybody around me ever questioned it. You know, your presence, you were you were the guy, you were taking it on. And I think the band evolved into something considerably meaner in some respects, especially recently. So I guess that's the next question for you is, mate, when can we see you guys again? Oh, yeah. I mean, hopefully it will be this year. I mean, we plan on after the festivals in summer to go somewhere in that area of the world. So um, hopefully we can lock down something great. I would love to go there this year. Um, but we were we we are definitely planning on going back. It was a fantastic time. Uh, the last time we were there with uh, Death Angel yeah, um, killer gigs, by the way. It's so much fun, and um, yeah, we we definitely need to come back, and we love the support from Australia, and it's it's always above and beyond, 
And uh, <laughs> yeah, really looking forward to it. <laughs> Killer. All right, mate. I'll let you get to the next one. Thanks so much for making the music right. that you have. Good luck with everything, eh? Uh, thank you for the center view. Appreciate it. No worries, mate. All the best. All right. Cheers. Thank Bye. You. You have been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online, and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. Hope you enjoyed that one there. That was Derek Green from Sepultura. Thanks so much for listening.